And so this, uh, this morning, I want to continue our series of messages entitled, After the Exile, Living for God in the New Normal. After the Exile, Living for God in the New Normal. And today we're going to be looking at Zechariah chapters 3 and 4. And I've entitled this morning's message for us, You Can't, But God Can. You Can't, But God Can. Let's pray together. Father, we do bless you and thank you for your word to us today. And I just pray, God, your hand a blessing over us as we look into your word that you would speak to us today. Give us ears to hear what you want to say to us this morning. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. And so, yes, we're in the midst of a series of messages from the books of Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. And this morning, again, we're in Zechariah chapters 3 and 4. If you go to the end of the New Testament, just turn back two books, you'll find Zechariah there. But these, the, these were prophets who were preaching and writing to the Jewish people who had just come out of their exile in Babylon and who were trying to rebuild their nation, their city, their lives, trying to begin to live a more normal life, albeit a somewhat new normal. And we've said that right now, I think we're all kind of feeling like we are in a bit of exile ourselves, and we're still not sure when this is going to come to an end for us. But I know we're all looking forward to the day when we can come out of our exile and somehow go back to normal, although it'll most likely be for us a new normal. But right now, right now, I believe is our time, time that God is giving to us to prepare ourselves individually and corporately for that day. And I know some of us might be getting a little antsy, a little frustrated. We want to move on. But, but again, God is giving us time to prepare. Most importantly, this is our time to prepare ourselves for what it will be like to live for God, what it will mean to live for God in our new normal. And today's message speaks to us of our need to realize just how truly dependent we are upon God in all areas of our lives. As we come out of our exile, as we begin to rebuild our lives, as we, as, as we move into our new normal, you see, I believe we need to understand just how much we need God's help. We need His grace. We need His Spirit at work in our lives. Now, I know many of you are like me, um, but, but I know that I want to be able to control things the best I can. I want to be able to fix things. I want to make things right for myself, for my family, for those around me, for the church. I want to be able to take control at times and make things happen. I think we all do. I mean, I mean, right now, I just want to fix all of this that's happening to us. And, and yet there is so much that's outside of my and our control. And the fact is, there are some things we will never be able to do on our own. I know many of us have been told, we've all heard it said, oh, you can do whatever it is you put your mind to. But is that really true? Can you and I do anything we want to put our minds to? I tend to think not. You know, years ago, just just a little bit after I had, gra- I had graduated college, I say years ago, well, now it's a lot of years ago, but my father got a call 
from the basketball coach from Columbia University wanting to know if I was going to accept the basketball scholarship that they were offering to me. And my father said, now, who is it you're looking for? We're looking for Tim Harris, graduating Spring Valley High School and so forth. And, and, uh, and, and, and my father's response to the guy was, well, listen, let me just stop you there. First of all, my son has already graduated from college. And secondly, my son is not that good a basketball player that you'd be offering him a scholarship. Well, obviously, they had the wrong Tim Harris. And the fact is, it doesn't matter how much I put my mind to it, this Tim Harris will never be a basketball star. That is way out of the scope of things for me and for my life. And, you know, I tend to think that as we've gone through this pandemic, that we've all been made uh, much more keenly aware that there are some things that are out of the scope of our lives, that there are some things in life that we cannot control, some things we cannot do, we cannot fix on our own. And I think more than ever be before, I and we have been reminded how much we really do need God's help, really, in all areas of our lives. And I think it's a lesson that God wants us to carry with us as we come out of our exile and enter into our new normal. Because I, I really believe he wants us to realize, I can't, you can't, we can't, but God can. Come on, would you say, say that with me? Just repeat after me. I can't, you can't, point to someone in the room if there's someone there, or back at the camera. We can't, but God can. You see, as we move on in the book of Zechariah here, Zechariah, we, we, we see, is being given a series of visions, really eight in total, each one with a particular message. And, you know, it said, a picture is worth a thousand words. And that's what God is doing for Zechariah. And these next two visions that we're looking at today, they focus on two main players in the time period after the exile. These were two men who, aside from the prophets, were raised up by God to help the nation rebuild and who were in charge of leading the people into their new normal. They were Joshua, the high priest, the highest ranking religious leader, and Zerubbabel, the governor, the highest ranking civil leader. And each of them had a great task before them. Each of them could have easily become overwhelmed, and I think in some ways they were. Or on the other side of it, they could have become proud and self-reliant. But through these next two visions that come to Zechariah, God brings a message to these men and then as well to the people to give them the perspective they would need if they were to move forward with God. And bottom line, listen, God was saying this to them. Listen, listen, Joshua, the high priest, the rubble governor, I know you have a, a big task in front of you. And I want to tell you, you can't do it. You can't do it, at least not on your own. You don't have what it takes to be who you need to be or to do what you need to do. But I will help you by doing in you and through you what you yourselves could ne would never be able to do on your own. In other words, you can't, but I can. You can't, but I can. Look with me in Zechariah chapter 3. 
And I'm just going to read verses 1 through 5. I don't have time to go through these visions in detail here, but I just want to want to get to the main points for us this morning. But Zechariah chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, as we have the first vision that, that has to do with Joshua the high priest. And the scripture says this, Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. The Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this man a burning stick snatched from the fire? Now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. And the angel said to those who were standing before him, take off his filthy clothes. Then he said to Joshua, see, I have taken away your sin and I will put fine garments on you. Then I said, put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him while the angel of the Lord stood by. And so we have this vision of Joshua the high priest and, 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 and the point we want to take from this vision here this morning is simply this. You can't fix yourself. You cannot fix yourself. So we have this vision of Joshua the high priest and here's this high priest dressed in, in filthy garments. And the word used here to me, used here means to be vile even covered with human excrement. That's how disgusting his clothing was. His filthy garments that represented Joshua's sin and thereby the sin of the people. I mean, think of it, if you will. Here was the one who was supposed to be the holiest of all, the one who was supposed to represent the people uh, before God, the one who was supposed to lead the people in worship and lead them back into the sacrifices and all the things that would take place at the temple. But here he is covered in filthy garments, covered in sin. Apparently, according to this vision, Joshua the high priest had his own issues with sin, as we all do. Because you see, it doesn't matter one's status, one's title, one's job. We're all covered in sin. And if that's Joshua's state here in this vision, imagine the state of the people. But not only that, we read that the accuser, Satan, was there. The one whom the book of Revelation calls the accuser of our brothers, who accuses them before our God day and night. And his accusation is true. How can a holy God bless a filthy people? How can the king of glory allow someone dressed so vile to come into his presence? But notice the response. The filthy clothes are removed, representing the removal of his sin. In fact, Joshua, Joshua isn't told, oh, Joshua, you need to go back there, go into the dressing room and take off your filthy clothes. But rather, they're taken off of him. And new clothes are put on him. The Bible says stately or rich royal garments, symbols of the righteousness that comes from God. Again, notice Joshua, he didn't own these clothes. He didn't go home and get changed. He didn't dress himself and thereby making himself right before God. But God dressed him. God said, I will put rich garments on you. And in fact, it seems almost that, that Zechariah himself gets so excited as he's watching this vision that he can't wait for the final step to take place. He gets so excited that he seems to cry out, and don't forget the turban. Make sure you get the turban. Why? Because the turban was part of the priestly clothing, the very last thing he would put on. And on that turban was, was, was tied a plate with the inscription, holy to the Lord. And so we read, 
They put a clean turban on his head and clothed him. You see, the point is this. There was nothing Joshua could do to make himself holy before God. There was nothing he could do to get rid of the sin that had so permeated and polluted his whole being, leaving him standing before God covered, as it were, in excrement. Joshua could not clean up his act on his own. He could not fix himself. He needed a divine act of God. And so we read here in this vision of how God intervened. God turned a sinful person into a righteous one. God made a filthy person holy. And God has done for Joshua and, and promises to do for the people what Joshua never could have done for himself. We might say that Joshua had an, ex- an, an extreme makeover. You know, some of us are HGTV buffs. They just brought back the show, Extreme Makeover. I love to see these houses being gutted and the outside being ripped off and just just being made completely new. So when the person walks in, they say, I can't believe this is my home. The Bible says old things pass away and all things become new. As we go on here in in verses 8 and 9, we read of the promise that God then gives. He says, listen, Listen, high priest Joshua, you and your associates seated before you who are men symbolic of things to come. I'm going to bring my servant, the branch. That's a title for the Messiah. See the stone I've set in front of Joshua. There are seven eyes on that one stone and I will engrave an inscription on it, says the Lord Almighty. And notice, and I will remove the sin of the land in a single day. I will remove the sin of the land in a single day. It's a messianic promise that speaks of the day that was coming when all that Zechariah saw happen to Joshua in that vision would take place for the people of the land. For one day their sin would be removed and they would be clothed with the righteousness of God. As the Messiah, the branch would come and would remove the old filthy clothes and dress them in new ones, dress them in garments of righteousness so that the accuser would be quieted and, and, and we would all be able to say together, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Oh, let me ask you today, how many people live their lives? filled with shame and guilt for the things they've tried over and over again to fix in their lives, and yet they have failed. In their mind's eye, they see a picture of who they ought to be. But when they look into the mirror, they see who they really are. They see all their failure, their sin, their shame, their guilt. Listen, we are all like Joshua in that vision, clothed in filth. And it doesn't matter your position in life or how long you've been in church or how good or religious you are or what your title is. We all have sin. In fact, the, the prophet Isaiah, he wrote that all of our, all of our, 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 our acts of righteousness are like filthy rags in contrast to the holiness and righteousness of God. And the accuser is right. We ought not be allowed into the presence of God. And I know what our natural tendency is. We try to fix ourselves by becoming better, more moral, more religious, and so forth. Whatever we think is necessary, we try to become, as some have said, the best version of ourselves. And yet we find ourselves falling short, and, it, and it's just totally exhausting. We quickly learn there's nothing you and I can do right enough or well enough to rid ourselves of sin, to change the tendencies of our human nature, to make ourselves right before God, to become the kind of people that we know we ought to be. We need an extreme makeover. We really do. From the inside out. 
And you see, that's what God promised to, promises to us through the work of Christ, the Messiah, the branch. That's the heart of the gospel. For Romans chapter 3 says this, <clears throat> verses 21 through 25, but now a righteousness from God, apart from, from law, has been made known. That is, apart from the things we could do. For the righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. For there is no difference. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by the grace, by his grace, through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus, the Messiah, the branch. Listen, I just want to tell you this morning, God is not looking for you to fix your life, to work harder on getting rid of, of the sin in your life, or to make yourself into a better person. Those efforts will always fail and frustrate, but rather God offers to do for you what you cannot do for yourself, that if you will trust in what he has done for you through Christ, he offers to you an extreme makeover, a, a deep change, being born again from the inside out. You can't, you cannot do it, but God can. He can work in your life through Christ to set you free from the burden, the shame, the guilt of sin. He's able to make your life completely new. He's able to break the power of sin, to break those old habits, and give you the power to live in a whole new way if you will let him, if you'll put your faith in him, if you'll call upon his name. You can't. You cannot fix yourself. I cannot fix myself, but God can if we'll but trust him. And look to Christ, the branch. But secondly, I want you to go with me to Zechariah chapter 4. Zechariah chapter 4 for the second vision. And I have to, I have to share these together because they're woven together. And it says this, chapter 4, verse 1, Then the angel who talked with me returned and woke me up like someone awakened from sleep. And he asked me, what do you see? I answered, I see a solid gold lampstand with a bowl at the top and seven lamps on it and seven channels to the lamps. Also, there are two olive trees by it, one on the right, of the bowl and the other on its left. I asked the angel who talked with me, what are these, Lord? And he answered, do you not know what these are? No, my Lord, I replied. So he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. For what are you, mighty mountain, before Zerubbabel? Before Zerubbabel, you will become level ground. Then he will bring out the capstone to shouts of God bless it. God bless it. Then the word of the Lord came to me. The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands will also complete it. Then you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. And the second message that we see here is simply this. First, you can't fix it. And secondly, you can't get the job done. You can't fix yourself, nor can you get the job done. For here's Zechariah sees a solid gold lampstand such as would have been used in the temple. But what's interesting about this lampstand is that it has as its top a large bowl, which then has seven smaller lamps, each with seven channels to them. And there are also on either side of the of, of it two olive trees that continually feed oil to the bowl and thus to the lamps. And the meaning here is really not all that difficult. For oil throughout the, the Old and New Testaments is often a symbol of the Holy Spirit. 
And in fact, we find this to be the case here in this vision as it's unfolded before Zechariah. For God reveals that this vision is all about the working of the Holy Spirit to help Zerubbabel do what he could not do on his own to accomplish the task he'd been given. We find revealed through this vision a description of the fullness of the Spirit, the power of the Spirit, the endless supply of the Spirit, and the anointing of the Spirit. And verse 6 sums it all up when the Lord says, no, it's not by your might, it's not by your power, but it's by my Spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Oh, Zerubbabel had a mission. He had a huge task ahead of him. It seemed to be quite overwhelming. But through Zechariah's vision, a message of encouragement and exhortation comes to Zerubbabel and thus to the people. For God basically says to him, no, you cannot get this job done. Yes, it is too big for you. You will never fulfill it on your own. But by my spirit working in you and through you, I will enable you to get it done. You see, those of us who call ourselves Christians, followers of, of Christ, God's people, we know God has called us to live our lives in a very particular way. And he's called us to accomplish um, some great tasks, the task of building his kingdom, of, of reaching our world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, of partnering with him in what he's doing around our world. And yet we know how often we fail, we struggle, we sense our lack of, of, of ability, we, we sense our own inability. Listen, I'm always sensing my own inadequacies. because I'm no different than, than you are. You know, I'm supposed to live as, and, and be the pastor. And through a time like this, I'm, I'm to lead the church. And, and how often the past few weeks I've been praying, God, I can't do this. I don't know what's next. And God, I can't control this. And God, I, God, I just, God, I need your help. And God, God's just saying to us this morning, no, you can't do it. He's saying to me, no, you cannot do it. But it's not by your might. It's not by your power. But by my spirit, says the Lord. See, and we need to realize that God never calls us to a task and then just leave us to complete, a, to complete it on our own. But rather, he promises to us the fullness, the power, the unending supply, the anointing of his spirit. He promises, he promises the work of his spirit within us and, and through us that we might be enabled to live the kind of lives that he's called us to live and to accomplish the work he's given to us to do. But the fact is we do not have what it takes to live as God has called us to live, to do what he's called us to do, especially in times like these, at least not on our own. But God has promised to pour out his spirit upon us. He's promised to us an unending supply of his spirit. Oh, I can't help but think of Jesus' words as he was commissioning his disciples when he says, but you will receive power, ability, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And today we need to realize just how much we need the outpouring of God's Spirit upon our lives. Listen, you can't do it. I can't do it. In days like these, in times like these, we can't do it. But God can. And so we say, we pray, we sing, come Holy Spirit, I need you. Come, sweet Spirit, I pray. But we don't know what life is going to look like in the days to come, do we? So many people are calling me or 
writing me or asking me, well, Pastor, what's it going to be like when we get back to church? And you know, how are we going to do this? Or how are we going to do that? Listen, there, there's just a lot we don't know right now. And we don't know what we're going to face in our new normal. But what we do know is this. We have a God who has promised to be with us and help us. That if we will call upon his name, if we will depend upon him, he will come alongside of us. And as eventually we come out of our exile, we will need his help each step of the way. I will, you will, we will as a church. And thus even now, in this time, I just want to call it our time of preparation. Even now, we need to develop within us a renewed sense of dependence and reliance upon God. We need to take this hour, this moment, this time, whatever these next few weeks hold for us, whatever the amount of time is, to develop a new sense of how desperately we really do need God at work in our lives. But listen, we need to remember, we cannot fix ourselves nor anyone else. We cannot save ourselves, no less anyone else. We cannot change ourselves. We cannot live the lives we ought to live. We cannot build the church. We cannot bring revival. We cannot change our nation. We cannot change our city. Listen, I know the pop psychology of the day would say, oh, you can do it. Just put your mind to it. You can do it. But God would say to us, listen, when it comes to dealing with sin, when it comes to fixing fixing yourself, when it comes to living the kind of life I've called you to live when it comes to accomplishing what, what, what I call you to accomplish and the list goes on God would say to us no you cannot do it at least not without my help but in the end in the end each one of us like little children we are totally dependent upon the grace of God at work in our lives like children depending upon their mother or their father we are totally dependent upon him depending upon His grace, depending upon His Spirit, depending upon His anointing, His love, His help. Listen, Jesus said to His disciples when they say, man, this is so impossible. Jesus said, listen, with man, this is impossible. There's a lot of things that are impossible with man. But He goes on to say, but with God, all things are possible. Or would you say that with me? With God, all things are possible. And so today, let's not be ashamed to declare, Lord, on my own, I can't do it. But you can. Let's remember the apostle's words when he said this. He said, I can do all things, not on my own, not because I'm so smart, not because of my heritage and not because of my position, but I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Can we say, Father God, I need you. Jesus, Lord and Savior, I need you. Holy Spirit, I need you. I can't do it. On my own, I'm not going to make it. But God, you can. With your help, with your help, all things are possible. Well, right now, wherever you are, we just take a moment to bow your head, close your eyes, and just begin to pray. Just, just begin to pray. Just, if not anything else, just say, God, I need you. 
I need your help. Listen, this morning before the service, I'm out in the foyer here at the church. I'm just praying, God, I need you. I need your help. I don't even know how to preach this message right. I don't know how to, how, how to communicate what you want to say. God, I just need your help. I need you, God. Some of us are struggling with sin in our lives, with habits. We're just trying to work to fix ourselves, to make ourselves into that better version of ourselves. God says, listen, you can't do it, but come to me. Come to me. Call on my name. Call on the name of Jesus, the branch, the Messiah, the Savior. And I will come. I will wash away every sin, old thing. Old things will pass away. Everything will become new. I'll take off those dirty clothes. I'll put on you a garment of righteousness. I'll change you from the inside out. Before you know it, you'll be saying, you've been born again. God's given you a new start. You can't fix yourself. I can't fix myself. But God can't right now just say, God, I need you. Jesus, I need you. Maybe you're struggling this this morning with with, with, with the things that are in front of you. You're just trying to live the way you know you ought to live. You're struggling with, with, uh, with being the kind of mom or dad that you know you need to be. Just being the kind of person you know you need to be. You're struggling this morning with, with the sense of that you're fulfilling God's call on your life. So today's your day. God's calling you to say, Lord, I need you. Would you fill me with your spirit? Would you empower me with your spirit? Would you help me today? Just bring a fresh anointing upon my life that I might live as you've called me to live and accomplish what you've called me to accomplish. Father, right now, I pray for your people, for everyone who's watching this this service this morning. I'm praying, God, the ministry of your grace, the ministry of your spirit, God, we're praying this morning that you would come and you would intervene in our lives. God, there's so much that that we know we cannot do on our own, but we put our trust in you, believing that all that we have need of, you are able to do in us and through us. I pray for someone today that needs their life just, just made completely new. They need to be born again as they call upon the name of Jesus. Would you touch them? Would you do for them what we see your spirit doing for Joshua here in this in this vision taking off the old and putting on the new God would you empower someone today may may someone hear hear spoken into their heart today no it's not by your might it's not by your power but it's by my spirit and I'm going to anoint you and enable you to accomplish all that you need to accomplish through your life and to be all that I've called you to be and so Lord today we just say we need you We ask you to help us and to keep us close to you through all these things. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. When the Israelites returned from Babylon, they couldn't just go back to normal. We find ourselves heading into a similar situation. What does God want to say to us in this season as we prepare for life after a pandemic? In After the Exile, Living for God in the New Normal, Pastor Harris will preach a series based on the books of Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi.